Hey, good to be with you again for another Bible Thump. I'm Drew Dixon. I'm the chief content nerd at Loveline Nerd, and we're going to look at a, another weird story in the Gospel of Mark. Another one of those stories that I think has been taken in a lot of different directions and um, used in a lot of different ways, and there's a lot of confusion about this bold statement Jesus makes towards the end of this passage, and it's about our relationship, or I think people think of it as being about our relationship to the government. Um, and it kind of isn't, it kind of isn't. It's really, I think it's a, it's a passage about priorities. So um, maybe before we jump into this, I'd like you to think for a minute about like what are your big priorities in life. Um, for a lot of us, it's family, right? If you're a parent or a husband or um, maybe you're young, you live with your parents. So you think about your, your relationship to your parents. Um, we think about our relationship to work, our priority of taking care of our family by making enough money, uh, making enough money to support ourselves, um, all those kinds of things, right? Um, we also think about sometimes maybe you think about your your priority, um, your relationship to your country or to your friends or to your church or to your community. Like maybe it's really important for you to volunteer and to invest into the community that you live in. Um, but it's important, right, for all of us to think about our priorities. I think rest should be a priority for us all. We shouldn't be people who give all all of our time and energy to work. We should also be people who make time and are willing to make time to rest and to um, recharge and to relax. Um, so it's not just about, like, give, 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 right? Um, I think the Bible calls for some balance there. Um, but uh, as you think through your priorities... I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. So let's read together uh, Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 13. Then they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to trap Jesus in his words. When they came, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and don't care what anyone thinks, nor do you show partiality, but teach the way of God truthfully. Uh, you like how they're buttering him up here? Is it lawful, they asked, to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But knowing their hypocrisy, Jesus said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at it. Uh, they brought him a coin. Whose image and inscription is this? They asked. Caesar's, they replied. Jesus told them, Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. So this is a passage, a story, again, like I said, about priority. A lot of people want to take this to mean that Jesus is saying something really bold about um the relationship of church and state. People have taken this passage to be a passage that like um, defends sort of our modern understanding of of the separation of church and state in America. That's actually a pretty um, like new idea in the world. Uh, it's a pretty modern concept, the idea of separation of church and state. Um, Rome was not that way. There was no separation of church and state. On this coin, on a denarius, there's a there's a specific reason Jesus ask this question, because on a denarius would be Caesar's inscription, uh, or Caesar, uh, uh, an image of Caesar, but then also, on the coin, uh, it would have writing that would say something like, Augustus Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus, and on the other sign it says, high priest, essentially, or, or essentially calling um, Caesar a son of God. And in ancient Roman culture, like it was common, it was expected that you worshipped the emperor, you worshipped Caesar. Um, and so, that was a big problem for Jewish people, right? Because Jewish people believed in one God, and they'd often suffered throughout their history 
because they refused to worship other gods. And God honored them and called them to this legacy of serving only God. I mean, think, think about this. What's at the foundation of Jewish religion? It's the law, and, and the foundation of the law in many ways is, is the Ten Commandments. And what's at the very beginning of the Ten Commandments? You shall have no other gods before me, and you shouldn't make an image, both of which are represented in this coin, right? An image of Caesar that you're to honor and worship, and um, and also this call to see Caesar as the high priest, as the son of God, as this person that uh, that gives us access to God or to the gods in their view, like to the to multiple gods. Um, and so, yeah, you couldn't do that if you were a Jew, if you were a faithful Jew, right? Um, and so you see the trap that's being laid for Jesus. And it's interesting too that the Herodians, the Jewish uh, Jewish political leaders. Uh, they were kind of puppet leaders, but Rome was ultimately in charge. But the Jewish uh, political leaders and the Jewish religious leaders and the Pharisees, the Herodians and the Pharisees get together, and they're both after Jesus, kind of for different reasons. You see, if Jesus says, yes, you should pay taxes to Caesar, that was going to lose him the, the, the favor of the crowd, who was looking to Jesus as this kind of king that would do something about Rome, like get rid of Roman rule, get rid of Roman taxes, which just about every Jew felt was excessive and oppressive and exploitative, right? They felt like they were being exploited and harmed by Rome in the way that Rome taxed. And so they were longing for the day when that would not be the case. And so, yeah, they wanted Jesus to be this political leader that would bring back the glory days of Israel, get rid of Rome, get Israel to be independent again and successful and like this beautiful um, sought-after nation, right? That's what they wanted to be. They wanted to be this successful, strong, powerful, peaceful, um, in-control empire um, and have, you know, have their own country. So he'd get in trouble with the crowd if he says, yes, give taxes to Caesar. He would get in trouble with Rome, right, with the political leaders of his day if he said, no, you don't have to give taxes to Caesar because that would be like treason, essentially. It would be like he's inciting a revolt against Rome, saying, hey, don't give to Rome anymore. Let's start the revolution now. Um, and so the way Jesus answers is so beautiful because he says, give to Caesars the things that are Caesars and to God the things that are God's. Um, and they were utterly amazed at him. Is this like a Jedi mind trick or what's going on here? Here's what I think Jesus is saying. Like, all along he's been preaching about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. Well, we know what the kingdom of God looks like by now. If you've been paying attention to Jesus, the kind of things that he does, here's what the kingdom of God looks like. It looks like feeding hungry people with two loaves of bread and some fish. It looks like um, raising the dead. It looks like casting out demons from people who have been oppressed by them for years. It means showing mercy to a blind beggar who says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It means loving and serving those who say, I believe, help my unbelief. It means calling sinners and tax collectors to come follow me. It means uh, healing people with withered, withered hands. It means healing people on the Sabbath in the face of religious leaders that said you couldn't. It means a lot of things. But Jesus by now has painted a beautiful picture of what the kingdom of God is really about. And here he says, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. You see what he's saying? He's saying you're missing the big picture if you want to throw a fit 
about either of these. Get your priorities in order. What are we really called to do here on Earth? Does it really, is this really the hill we're going to die on and that you have to pick one side or the other on these? Can you not think more beautifully and strategically and uh, imaginatively about how to live in a way that spreads the kingdom of Jesus to places where it's needed, that shows the mercy of God to your neighbor, that heals, that brings healing and life and, and, and goodness into the lives of the people around us? Where is your head at? Where are your priorities? I think that's what this is really about. He's not making a big statement on separation of church and state. I think we can, yeah, there's some things we can say about that from this passage. But none of us are called to, to, to start the political revolution. What we are called to start is the revolution of, of, of love, of spreading the love of Jesus, of prioritizing his kingdom values in our lives and then in our relationships with others and then just sit back and watch that spread, right? That's what we're called to do. It's good news, isn't it? really good news. Um, thanks for your time. I hope this challenges and encourages you. We'll see you again next time.